welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Anthony. And I'm Corey. And this is our review of Scream, or Scream 5, starring Melissa Barrera, Jenny Ortega, Mickey Madison, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, Jack Quaid, Dylan Minnette, Sonia Ben-Amar, featuring the voice of Roger Jackson, Marley Shelton, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Nev Campbell. Directed by Matt Bettelini Olpen and Tyler Gillette on a script by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Released in 2022 on a $24 million budget. Opening weekend, it's already grossed over $35 million. That's a real feat considering waves everywhere, as our friend Mike Scott would say. Um, and, you know, definitely something that has gotten a lot of good critical acclaim as well. Before we get into all of that, Anthony, welcome back to Filmstrip. Tell folks a little bit about yourself and your podcast and writing ventures. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me back. Always glad to be here, Jay. Um, I'm a one of three co-hosts of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the spirit of Christmas alive 365 days a year by covering a different Christmas movie or television special or episode of a TV show every Monday, all 52 weeks a year. Um, it's a lot of fun. Jay's guest starred on it. Ron has guest starred on it. It's awesome. Um, Writing-wise, I actually wrote a novel called Another Christmas Story, which I released piecemeal last year through the podcast, which our friends of the podcast, like Jay and Ron, have each read a chapter, and we released audio versions of this. So check it out in our podcast feed, because that was a lot of fun. So, Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Anthony. And Corey, welcome back to Filmstrip. Tell folks about all of your cool stuff, writing, podcasts, and otherwise. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Corey Corey. I'm a teen horror blogger. Uh, my blog is gorycory.com, and I'm a teen correspondent for Fangoria and the co-host of the Scream Teens podcast with Anatomy of a Scream. Absolutely. You might remember Corey back from last year, Shocktober. She and I did Starry Eyes together, which was a lot of fun. And we had plans for Corey to come back on again and actually finally bring something to the podcast we've <laughs> never done, which is a werewolf movie. Uh, yes. But this happened, and so I'm like, okay, I, I, it, people who have been listening to Filmstrip for a while knows me, Brian, and Ron reviewed the the four you know, previous Scream movies back several years ago, and neither one of them had intentions of going to see this opening weekend. And um, They're lost. Well, you know, they, they, they had other stuff going on. I mean, they, they have families and kids and stuff like that, so I, I give them a break, you know. But they, and, and they were like, hey, you know, maybe someday or whatever. And I said, well, I really kind of want to do this. And so I talked to them about it, and they're like, yeah, go for it if you can find people to do it. And so I knew Anthony was down, because I, I, I messaged him. I was like, is this the podcast doing this on, like, the Patreon feed or something? Is Are you, like, backdooring this into a Christmas somehow? Uh, but you're not. <laughs> and so when he told me that, I was like, well, I'm in. And then I saw Corey tweeting about this, like, nonstop. And I was like, okay, this is too good. I get I get all of my, like, Scream super fan friends on this show because if you did listen to the old podcast you know something about me that i love the first scream i hold it up there like the original halloween um, which they you know go out of their way to reference in this movie um and other things and i think it's, it's great i think kevin williamson's great i think it's one of the best things craven ever did 
But Scream 2 and 3 were a little prickly for me. I gave them both small popcorns back in the day. I, I might upgrade the second one uh, now. And I gave the fourth one a medium because I actually liked it. I thought it had some spunk to it. But I did say that I thought the best Scream movie they've made in the, since the first one was the first two seasons of the TV show. Um, and, I, and I will stand by that. I think Corey is cheering over here on the screen. So I think he agrees <laughs> with me. But, I won. I agree too. We got to talk about that. Okay, yeah, we we will get it. We will get into where Scream has been uh, before we get into this movie. But that, you know, my my history with this was that eh, you know I I didn't I I loved that first one. Didn't really love the second and the third one. Kind of like the fourth one, but loved the TV show. So I wanted to pitch it to both of you to you weren't on those shows, but just real quick your history with Scream and if you could kind of what would be your popcorn ratings for those things. So Anthony, I'll toss it to you first. Sure. So my history with Scream. I was born in '89. So oh, Ghostface was really old. <laughs> <laughs> so what Michael Myers was to the '80s kids, Ghostface was to me, and mm. Scream was really my first real horror movie. It was my gateway to the horror genre, which is my favorite genre nowadays. So I remember sixth grade, sixth grade when Scream Three was coming out. That's when my parents allowed me to get the original scream or rent the original scream i put it in one weekend get through the drew barrymore opening sequence and i'm so terrified i have to take it out and that's it i'm never going back to it (laughs) um i revisit a few months later realize i love it you know it's fun it's funny it is scary i fell in love with it and I never looked back. I love Scream 2. Scream 3 is okay. Scream 4 was a return to form for me. So when they announced Scream 5, I was like, yeah, you know what? I am all in. I I love these characters. I'm glad they're not going the full-on requel route with it. And um, yeah, so I was very excited to sit in theaters to see it. As for what I think of the original Scream movies, I would give the original Scream an extra large popcorn Scream 2, a large popcorn with all the trimmings. Scream 3, a medium. Um, That's the worst in the franchise for me, uh, but there are some saving graces. And Scream 4, I'd give a large. Well, I was born in 2003. (laughs) What? So um, I wasn't introduced to Ghostface for a while. Uh, I was actually, the first Scream content I ever watched was the TV series in 2015. I was like 12, so I was, I think, in 7th or 8th grade. And I was just starting to really get into more, like, transitioning from that, like, tween horror to, like, real horror or adult horror. And um, I watched the TV series, and it was, like, my favorite thing on the planet. And so I obviously had to watch the movies that inspired it. And those movies inspired me to want to be a filmmaker. I'm going to film school now. Like, they gave me this love of horror that basically is my life now um so they're really special to me and it's my all-time favorite franchise i would give the first one also an extra large popcorn it's the best it's just it's flawless it's perfect unpopular opinion i would give the second one a medium popcorn that's my least favorite thank you i'm not alone on my boat i personally (laughs) listen i'm in college now I love college movies. I coined the subgenre academic horror. I was so ready to adore that film. And it was just kind of boring. No, Corey, yes. You're speaking about I've worked in colleges for 20 years. It is not anything like that. (laughs) No, it it was so weird. And uh, listen, it's a great movie and I still love it. 
but in my opinion, it's the weakest link. <laughs> um, uh, Scream three, I would also give a, I would give a large popcorn. I loved Scream three, and I see so much hate for it online. I love <laughs> that movie so much. Everything from it is so camp, and the fact that the Weinstein's produced that movie without knowing that it was about them and that they were going to take shots at them really <laughs> makes me adore that film so much. And I really love anything that takes a shot at Hollywood. And I think that was like so perfectly meta and it made me so happy. And I just, I laugh every time I watch it. So that one I really love. And I would give a large one to four too, because four was really good in my opinion. I really loved it. And I thought it was a perfect kind of reboot that they did. I mean, I know nothing really came after it, but. I would agree with you there just to wrap up but, you know, my thoughts on four real quick. I, I thought they had some interesting stuff to do and to go they with totally, from there. And Emma then they Roberts, just gutted the ending and changed yeah. it and killed off the most interesting thing they put in the series yeah. since the first one, which was Emma yeah. Roberts snarky humor. Um, Emma Roberts that was not has, supposed to be the original ending of that movie. I know. I know. Yes. Yeah. They, they changed it. It's so again. sad. So yeah. Emma Roberts has proven time and time again that she's like the perfect villain scream queen like sassy yeah. teenage girl she does it in horror constantly and i just i the fact that we got to see her shine in that role makes me so happy because she was so good at it every time i watch that movie whenever she's uh throwing herself around at the end That's, hurting herself it's like amazing it's acting so good it's she's it's so it's up there with jim carrey kicking his own ass and liar liar I mean, it was right in that that totally. place, and, and I think she probably ripped some of that off from him, which is totally cool because you should, because that was a great. This point of his best performances. People don't talk about that one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'll I'll say the same things again and, and to move off the old the old stuff real quick because I feel like I'm doing a hello fellow kids moment here or whatever. The only reason I gave the scream the original scream a large or whatever y'all was because for me it is the thing that like reignited the horror franchises, but you know, I grew up on the original Halloween and all the Friday the 13th and all that stuff. And then I watched those go in the ditch y'all. I mean, I was live when Halloween five and Nightmare on Elm street six happened <laughs> and, and uh, uh, Friday the 13th five or also called Friday the 13th, the wrong direction. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, all of that. I mean, I, I've, I've lived through that, you know, on Showtime VHS or whatever. And then uh, to see him come back after scream and see all the things that scream wrought, was funny to me. Um, so I always gave it, I gave it the large cause I was like, well, it's not original, but it never was concocted to be like, if I were to go and do that now, I would probably give it the same as both of you just as a standalone. Cause I think I've grown a lot as a reviewer and 200 and something plus episodes since I've done that show, <laughs> but it's been a while, <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you, Corey though. That second one, um, it, it suffers from the fact that it was thrown together really fast and it was one of those, we got to do it. We got to do it, put it out. They obviously didn't have yeah. it all together and it doesn't quite congeal in the third act the way that it needs to though I, I will say it gave us timothy oliphant as a bad guy oh my God. and that so is good for that and the was, yeah the kills in that movie too are really great and even like Randy the scene where dewey's behind the glass mm -hmm. oh yes so yeah. good yeah so they, good. there should I, mean, I think we even talked about it on the show how much dewey should have died we'll get there hold on uh, but in fairness though in fairness <laughs> yeah. in the filmmaker's defense yeah it was a whole different ending until that script leaked yeah. during yep. production, yep. and then they thanks had to change things on the fly. Yep. Yeah, thanks a lot, Internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Now, Corey, you revealed something I did not know. I did not know that Aaron Kruger did part three as a send-up of the wine scenes. Now I kind of yeah. want to apologize to him and his billions of dollars that he's made. Um, <laughs> writing bad well, Transformers like, there's movies. This, 
There's yeah. a whole plot about how Sydney's mom was, you know, assaulted yeah. by a lot of Hollywood executives. And then you watch at the end, like the credits roll and like Weinstein, a Weinstein company producing it. And you're like, how did oh, they you get know away what? with that? Is, that? Yeah, that like, that's great. That's that actually brilliant. Yeah, that, that okay. So much. I mean, I, I, of course, I watched that... it in a post Me Too era. So I was so True. much more aware of it, I guess. But it, I just, it was awesome. I saw it for the first time, obviously, pre Me Too. Yeah. When I saw these movies for the first time. But the first time I rewatched the series post the Me Too era, I was like, oh man, yeah. this is cringy. How did yeah. they do this? Yeah. I, yeah. I was just, I was so taken aback because it was like they were directly calling it out in the 90s. Y'all, they they yeah, were calling that out for decades before for, they could call it out. Like that was how like, they called it out. Was in the that art. was amazing. And it, yeah. it part of me was kind of like, you guys have known this. I mean, obviously, people in Hollywood knew this was going on, but I was like, so you guys have known this is going on this whole time, and no one did anything. But another part of me was like, look at look at them go. Like look at Wes Craven mm-hmm. bringing this out. And I just it's it's the true. These are also it, like have so many strong female characters that that just really it helped. And that's one thing the horror genre doesn't get enough credit for is having Mm -hmm. the strong female lead. People talk all the time about like the, the final girl or whatever. And that's, it's almost like a dismissive term. And I don't think that is at all. I mean, if you look at the historically like great final girls, even the movie final girl, it's about how empowered they are. And that's, that's what makes it cool. And, and, uh, a friend of mine once said that the thing about the screen series that he always dug was that the heroine, Sydney in particular, it was about her. It was never about the killer. The killer was yeah. this faceless. It was totally faceless yes. and nameless. And it was about her and her journey. And that's what made those interesting. And that's why I love that fourth one, because I thought, well, it was a great circle back to her. Like if you just watch totally. the first one and the fourth one you kind of have a perfect you know scenario there and and yeah. i don't know I, th- I think it would it would work um we all love the tv series um Corey, you were the only one it was age appropriate for which is amazing uh, but but <laughs> but i i got into that so i love you know well written teen tween your know, 20s drama i've always liked that because i grew up on buffy you know it, yes. and as i grew up like my my college years were Buffy and Angel. But I, I think about all that stuff. And when this came out, I had watched Teen Wolf because my wife got into that. So and good. she said, Hey, they're doing Scream. We should try that. And like we like binged it. Like we just got so hooked on that thing. And so I yeah, so I'm with you. I I like all of those things. I think a candidate did one called Slasher that was pretty good. Yeah. Um could, yeah, there's, could there's I stuff. just say about the TV show, I agree with you both. It's great. I love that TV show. But Watching the films, there is something to be said about that original costume and oh, Roger absolutely. Jackson's voice oh, yeah. paired yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. I think though MTV, I don't think could get the rights to that at least for the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they were trying to like separate it to make it like sexier and like for the new generation, which I could appreciate what they were doing. It obviously wasn't ideal, but right. I think it still yeah. worked. Yeah, a hundred percent. But like what? Season three, that's when they got the original mask, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was so glad when that happened because yeah. that, that costume is iconic. Oh, that so good. costume is as iconic as Freddy or Jason or oh, Michael totally. Myers at this point. Yeah. Yep. Well, you said the other thing too, it's the voice because unlike most slashers, Freddy holds that distinction of being one that could talk. Most of them don't in yeah. any real way, right? And Roger Jackson is giving a performance every time he picks up the phone. And I mean, I, we'll talk about it when we get into this movie or whatever, but when I heard him first come on there, like I literally smiled about the little theater. I was like, Oh no, that I hadn't heard that in a long time. I mean, I watched the, the screams back in October again. Cause I was just doing horror movie month, you know? Uh, but 
I guess I've seen him so many times that I just sort of let that, it was just part of it, but having not seen it in a theater and so long, it was neat to hear it like in big sound and all that kind yeah. of cool stuff. So it was, I mean, it's definitely a cool thing, but you know what? A lot has changed with Scream since the last time they did a movie. Like we talked about, it, they've done a TV series. Wes Craven passed away in 2015, right as the series was really getting off the yeah. ground. Kevin yep. Williamson is still around as executive producer on this. So he had a lot of say in it, but I didn't know a lot about either of the directors. Now I've seen ready or not. And I've seen some of their stuff, but Corey, I think, I think you know more about it maybe, maybe than we do. <laughs> I love radio silence so much. Um, Southbound was, was there one of their horror anthology films was like, I think the first ever anthology I watched and it literally took my breath away. I was so impressed by it and it really got me into anthology films and horror so i can't thank them enough for that it was so good obviously ready or not is incredible and ready or not is one of my favorites because it really brought a lot of gen z audience to horror like a lot of my friends refuse to watch horror films but they will always watch ready or not they love that movie so i really was happy that they were the ones getting to do this because there are very few filmmakers i would trust with this series but when I heard it was them, I was like, okay, it's going to be good. And they absolutely killed it. Well, Ready or Not completely slipped under my radar when it was in theaters. I didn't really see any trailers or anything. What happened was one night I was looking for a movie to watch. Ready or Not was in theaters. So I watched the trailer. It's like, oh, this looks interesting. Wasn't expecting much of it. I was expecting like a B horror movie or whatever. Yeah. I go in blown away. That was one of my favorite movies that year. The way they balance so the family good. drama, comedy, horror. Oh God. Yeah. Talk about strong female characters. A hundred percent. And that's one of my, I I can watch that movie over and over again. Like it only came out in 2019. I probably watched it like 10 times already. I love it so much. (laughs) So when they announced that those were the directors who were taking over Scream, I was like, perfect. That's perfect. They have that sensibility to bounce a horror, a comedy. Like I knew they would be in good hands. And I just want to go back to what makes Scream special for me compared to other horror franchises. It's a fact you have not only Sydney, but Gail and Dewey as well. Mm-hmm. They have survived these four, five movies. Like they've, it feels lived in. They're well-rounded. Yeah. They've been through crap and mm-hmm. it's actually affected them. Whereas mm-hmm. Nightmare, you got Nancy and then by the end of three, she's gone. Friday the 13th never really had an ongoing for very long main character. <laughs> Halloween had Laurie Strode, but until this but new like, version, she disappeared pretty quickly. Yeah. And Scream kept their characters and developed them and let them grow. And I think that's awesome. And that's why I was so excited when it was revealed this wouldn't be like Halloween 2018, where they erased everything and just made a direct sequel. Because I think that would have been so unfair to the characters and the fans because they've been yeah. through so much. It would have been awful to erase that history. I'll tell you yeah. why that works. And you hit on something there, Anthony. You know, Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th series, Jamie Lloyd, mm-hmm. J- uh, um, Laurie Strode, all of those characters in their different iterations and things. Laurie yeah. Strode is a little different because now we have to take into account the new ones with her. But they weren't mm-hmm. really allowed to grow the way that these characters no. were because their real life has bled over into this. Da- David Cox, or David Arquette and Courtney Cox for real. And, you know, you can tell like – there's been a lot of ups and downs and now they're kind of at the point where like we're we're old we can just be cool now right like eh, <laughs> yeah. you know, i mean like they they just they are what they are but i i love that 
this series pays honor to that. And they also don't hide the fact that these people are aging. You know, they mm-hmm. were, I mean, Nev Campbell was just beyond being a teenager when they made that first movie. I think she's like 18 or yeah. 19. And the rest of them were, were age appropriate. Dewey and Gail were older. You know, they were supposed to be in their 20s, you know, and now they're not because they're not in real life. And that's where they would be as characters. So I love that they let them grow with that. And that's the one thing the Scream series has always had on its side is that it, it had time to breathe. And I, I credit a lot of that to Craven and the way that he really protected this. I mean, he, he wanted to do the fourth one. He was down for it when it didn't hit. He said, I'll do the fifth one, but the script's got to be done. And I mean like done, done no more last minute changes. Cause I think he changed the third act three times in a row now. And he was like, mm, we're not doing that anymore. You know, and, <laughs> and, and I don't blame him for that. And so he wanted to wait until they had something. Obviously he passed away. That never happened. And then, the whole Weinstein situation. Finally, you know, we got into a point where I think a lot of times people knew what was going on, Corey, but you're just not in any power to really do anything. Yeah, like you'd yeah. love to, but you can't. So don't blame any of those people for that. They did what they could with this because now you yeah, can, exactly. like in retrospect, going, oh, all of the signs. You're like, wow, they were way. trying to tell us <laughs> yeah. this whole time. Maybe we should listen more, you know, but <laughs> there's that. And so when it got sold to Spyglass, I said, okay, that's good. That's actually a good company to own it. Because my fear was that this is going to wind up with, no offense, like Lionsgate or something like that, who would take it in a direction that it's not really meant to be. Like, you know, the screen is not torture board. And I, I have I have my love for some of the Saw movies and things like that. And I also didn't want it to land in paranormal activity land with Blumhouse. I love Jason. Yeah. I love Blumhouse. But that's the wrong I think a Blumhouse scream would have been really fascinating. It would have been interesting. interesting. Actually, I kind of think it would be very much like the TV show was. And because I think that's sort of that minimalist, real quick approach. But the thing you Mm -hmm. nailed that that this series has always had, and it's what made the TV series last so well, is the mix of the humor and the horror. That is so hard to do without going total camp. Yeah. Mm But it takes the camp too, and it like uh, it like knows that it is, and that's yeah. the best part, I think. And also, sorry, just to go back to the the characters getting to develop more and us getting to follow them. I think that's one of the reasons that people tend to like like the MCU and Harry Potter and stuff like that so much, is because yeah. we literally get to see the characters and actors grow throughout so many years. And Scream has that, and I think that's probably why the franchise has been so beloved compared to so many other horror franchises, because we really get to watch these characters. Well, when you think of it, like if you look, if you look, the first scream came out in 96, scream three came out in 2000, scream four came out in 2011. Now this one, 2022, they've been playing these characters for decades at this point, yeah. four different yeah. decades. Like it's yeah. crazy so cool. when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild to think about it. These people are still not what you would call old people. Yeah. Maybe you would, Corey. I don't know. Scream but, six. But, <laughs> but I mean, they've, they've been playing this a long time. And I got to thinking about that when I was watching, after I watched the movie, um, I was like, man, David Arquette has been playing Dewey longer than he's done pretty much anything. And I yeah. was like, yeah. it, you can tell he knows that backward and forward. And the other two do too, like Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox know those characters. Mm-hmm. Like it's like slipping into a suit you didn't know you could still wear. And oh yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's well, just, and that's the thing. They didn't miss a beat. The first time yeah. each of them appeared on screen in this one, I was like, man, it's like they never left the roles. Yeah. I well, give I a think- lot of that too to the to the writers. James Vanderbilt and Guy, mm-hmm. Guy Busick. I know Guy Busick did, did stuff with the directors on their TV shows and, and Ready or Not and things like that. But Vanderbilt's work, I've been around his stuff for a 
while, like he did a great job on that Zodiac script. That script could have really gotten out of control and he did a great job pulling that together for Fincher. I thought White House Down was a lot of fun. I mean, it's a dumb movie, but it's a lot of fun. And The Meg, I've read the book that that's based on adapting that into a movie that is watchable. That's a feat. Like that was actually a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. That that movie movie. was great. That movie was so much fun. Yeah, Yeah, it's exactly what I wanted it to be. It's Jason Statham beating up a huge shark. That's that's, I know what I'm here for. Like I'm not asking for Sophie's choice with that. Like I know yeah, what it I'm also doing. had like it had like good takes on shark exploitation and like yeah. shark and stuff. I was impressed. It's yeah, I mean it works. So what what I'm saying is that you obviously got writers and and directors here who knew how to in- inhabit characters that they didn't create. And I put a lot of that too on Williamson, who's kind of in the he's the big guy in charts now, right? And he clearly knows this stuff. And I mean, there's so much of him influence through this you can tell and i think kevin williamson's probably defining trait of anything is having teenage characters speak in language that no humans actually use but making it believable that people yeah. can carry on these really complex vocabulary conversations <laughs> that was the funny part of dawson's creek always it was like no one talks like that but it works because you buy the drama in it and it's, yeah. it's all about emotions and I, I thought that having those guys put this together with those actors, you could tell they were on the same page. And that's a that's a hard thing to do when you're picking up a franchise that you didn't start with. And, you know, you've basically grown up with like these these mm-hmm. people have. So it's I don't know. It, it was interesting to see that, uh, that come to fruition here on the set. Now, I got to ask both of you, what was it like seeing this in, in theaters? What was your theater experience like? Because if you follow me on Twitter, or Instagram, I showed you a picture of what it was like for me. It was me, my wife and uh, former podcast co-host Nick and his family. Like we were basically in what amounts to a private screening in this little small theater in our town because nobody was out because it was supposed <laughs> to be snow apocalypse down here in North Carolina. So everyone was scared. Uh, so we, we got to see that pretty much with nobody around. What, what about you two? Uh, sure. Well, um, I went with my roommate which uh they see i showed them the first one which was like their first horror movie so it was kind of cool to take them to this one uh and this was the first scream i ever got to see in a theater besides i got to see the first one at a screening uh at the coolidge a couple months ago but this was like the first me ever too premiere <gasps> wait you went to the coolidge theater no no, no i just i just oh. mean for the anniversary a few months yeah ago. yeah yeah that that was so fun. Yep, yep. yeah it was the first time i saw it on the big screen too so it was really cool to see like a, an actual premiere you know date of it was was just crazy and like people in the theater were clapping you know when Dewey came on screen and that just it made me so happy it was so much fun and it was cool seeing it in a th- on unfortunately our theater was pretty packed like COVID wise that wasn't great but it was cool because we all got to you know have kind of that experience of like we all we've all known the previous movies so we really freaked out every time something happened yeah so for me i was supposed to go with my friend ken and his fiance justin but um they actually got tested positive for covid the morning of so i was like (laughs) well it's just gonna be me and i was like well luckily this isn't one of those really scary movies like it's scream they're never really like I, I, I can sleep afterwards, so I'll, I'll be fine seeing this alone. So I go, you know, there were probably, it's, it was a big theater. There were probably only about 20 people in there spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a nice enough crowd where, you know, everyone was laughing at the right moments. You could feel people tensing up at the right moments. Um, when the legacy characters came on, you could hear the excitement. Like, it was it was a perfect experience. Like, yeah. normally I'm used to seeing these things 
like I'll for example the Marvel movies. I I always go to opening nights for all these big movies, franchise movies that I love. And I love it because I love that atmosphere, the cheering, yeah. the applauding. Yeah. So in a perfect world, Scream would have been more like that, but it was perfect enough. Like, and I can't complain. Like it was a good atmosphere. Yeah. It's the first thing I've been back to a theater for in a while uh, too, just for just obviously safety concerns and also just reasons of like, do I really need to see that in a theater or can I just, I have a really large television at home. Like, can I watch it at home and get the same experience? And uh, the answer to that has been pretty universally yes for a while. Um, you know, and if I, if I can have two weeks of patience, I'll just watch it at home. But this yeah. one was one that I, I knew I wanted to see in a theater because I've seen all the other ones in a theater. So, oh my goodness, how could I not? And the, the theater I went to, the Our Town Cinemas, is very much like an Alamo Draft House kind of thing. So you have like tables and so you're already naturally separated from people yeah. as it is. There may have been another 15, 20 people in that thing, but the theater may only hold like 50. Um, so it was it was a small thing, but everybody was into it, and there were like audible gasps. And what I took note of, though, was the age ranges of the people in there, because there were people in there older than me that were really into this, and I could tell they were into it. And then there were people like your age and younger, Corey, that were into it. They were really like just like reacting to all of the Gen Z humor and all of that stuff, which I think was cool. And I'm like, you know, it, it's neat to watch a, a franchise of any kind that can stretch that type of, of boundary. Mm-hmm. And horror is one of those that tends to do that a lot. I've seen that in the Halloween movies and stuff, but like even Halloween kills, I didn't see that in the theater. Cause I have Peacock and I have a 70 inch television at home. That, you know, that was the same <laughs> thing, you know, I'm not going to go do that. So, um, so it's neat to see that many people from that wide range in there to watch something like this. And so it, yeah, it was, it was a cool experience. I'm glad we all had good, safe experiences too. And goodness, I hope we can get back to more of those. Cause there's nothing like seeing something in a theater. I'm, I'm yeah. a big fan of that right. too. As much as I like my home stuff, there's some things I just want to see in a theater. So like yeah. I tell people all the time, if you watch Titanic, the James Cameron movie, if you've only ever seen that on your television, you, you need to find it somewhere when it's in a theater again, because that there was nothing like that in 1997 and it blew you away to see it. So, well, perfect example for me is um, Rocky horror picture show, which has never left mm, theater yeah. since it started. <laughs> right. You watch it at home, completely different experience <laughs> and seeing it in a crowded packed yes. theater, which yeah. makes it, 20 million times more fun. Ron would say watching the room with other people is the way to do that. Not oh, the way I to. did it when I reviewed it for the show, which was alone. So, uh, but, uh, well, it was an experience. People go back to the archives and listen to that. So, well, okay. We we've done a good bit of preamble here. It's time to get into the movie. Spoiler warning Supreme. This, if you have not seen this and you plan to y'all pause us now, thanks for downloading. Pause us. Go see the movie, come back, because from here on out, it's spoilers hot, because the thing about screen movies is once you know, you know, and if you don't want to know, don't listen to the next two minutes, because we're going to go through (laughs) it, Um, and probably the next two hours, so so here we go. It's been 25 years since the original murder spree of Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker terrorized the town of Woodsboro. Since then, Gail is back in New York City as a popular morning television show host, having left Dewey. Jew is forced to retire as sheriff due to his drinking. And Sydney is married to Detective Mark Kincaid, not shown from part three, has small kids and apparently likes to run a lot and has no intention of ever returning to her hometown. And who can blame her? A new killer, though, surfaces and fears return to the town when a high school student, Tara Carpenter, is brutally attacked but left alive. Tara's estranged sister, Samantha, or Sam, comes back after hearing the news along with her boyfriend, Richie, and tags up with Tara's friends along with Dewey to figure out what happened. Among the new friend group and suspect list are twin sister and brother Mindy and Chad, Randy's niece and nephew. 
Chad's on-again, off-again girlfriend, Liv, related to the McKenzie's mentioned in the original. Super protective Wes, deputy now Sheriff Judy's son, and Amber, terrorist friend who heard the attack over the phone. Gail comes back to town to chase the story after hearing from Dewey and to check on him. And when he lays out the rules for this, along with Mindy in classic Randy-esque fashion, Sam reveals to Tara why she got in so much trouble as a teen and left town five years earlier. Snooping in her parents' attic as a 13-year-old, she found her mom's old diary and learned she was actually the illegitimate son of Billy Loomis, who was hooking up with her mom while trying to woo and ultimately kill Sydney. She confronts her mother about this and uh, revealed it to that she knew the truth, which her father didn't know, and that prompted his abandoning the family. So Sam kind of went off the deep end for a while. The killer attacks Tara and Richie in the hospital, but Dewey and Sam are able to intervene. Dewey shoots the killer, who is revealed to have a bulletproof vest, though, and Dewey is killed once and for all. This news brings Sydney to town, of course, and when she and Gail try to persuade Sam to help them go after the killer, Sam refuses, planning to leave town with her sister and Richie. But on their way out of town, the trio discover Tara is missing her inhaler, and they, she has to have it, so they decide to stop at Amber's on the way where Spare's located. Amber, in the meantime, is thrown an absolute rager, because that's what you do when people are getting murdered in this town, at least. And Richie clears out the guests, except for the core friend group we've already met. Gail and Sydney call Sam and tell her to get out of there fast because da, 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 Amber lives in Stu Mocker's old house where the original finale took place. The killer appears again and is revealed to be Amber, who is also working with Richie. Their motive? As best as I can tell, it's similar to Stu's from the original for Amber. It was fun. And Mickey <laughs> from part two for Richie. Movie fans deserve better, damn it, than what the Stab series devolved into. <laughs> There's lots of back and forth, but both being injured. Gail and Sydney set Amber on fire with hand sanitizer. How 2020 or 21 is that? A stove and a gun. Uh, Sam, who has flashbacks of her dead father throughout the uh, movie, Skeet Ulrich in some Irishman CGI de-aging performance. We'll talk about it. Um, decides to embrace her killer roots and cuts Richie to pieces before finally shooting him several times as well. Amber, of course, comes back for one more scare, but Tara shoots her. And Gail and Sydney talk about what they'll do next. Sydney's going back to her life, and Gail wants to write a book about Dewey, but not about the killings this time. And Tara and Sam ride to the hospital together in hand in hand as credits roll. And that is the plot summary for Scream 2022. Lots to unpack there, lots to get into as well. So, uh, you know, there's lots of ways you can bounce through these things. We do them a lot of different ways on film strip, but I think what might be cool is to just talk about how we reacted to the cast and things. And we've talked a good bit about the legacy cast coming back, but, and we've already kind of set up that we all thought they did a pretty good job with what they did. I like how they revealed them to us is that it's really Dewey, Gail, then Sydney, which in, is sort of reverse of how the importance would rank in the series. I, I liked how we got into each of their stories and sort of who they are, where they are now. I love that Dewey is that typical, like, you put on a Western movie, he's a retired sheriff who's, like, been through hell and back, who has to be pulled back in to solve the new crime. That's perfect for his character, and I loved that. Obviously, as a fan of this series, I was devastated him and Gail got divorced. Uh, I loved them together. I really did. <laughs> I get it, given the actors and their right. stance and their real-life relationship. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I loved it. And I loved, too, that, you know, S Dewey was the standout for me of the original three, but Sydney was great. I loved how she's just 
over this. Like when she gets that phone call at the end, she's like, Hey there. And as he's going on and talking to her, she's like, all right, I'm bored and hangs up on (laughs) and hangs up on him. Like she's just over it. She's been through hell and back. She just has a gun and is firing away in every room. She's done. And I love, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Sydney, Sydney's always been like my favorite ever. And so I was so happy to see them really be able to keep up her character in this and to see her just, you know, older, wiser, like she's been through all of it and she was just so tired of them was so (laughs) funny uh, and perfect. And I really, really loved what they did with Dewey. I love that he kind of got to be the hero, you know, that was Mm -hmm. like, that's what he deserves. And I was really glad Um, his death made me so upset. Like I was like violently sobbing in the movie theater. It was so embarrassing. But uh, I think it was, like, the death he deserved, you know? And that was the right way for him to go. It really upset me that him and Gail didn't at least, like, make up, though, or get to tell each other that they were still in love with each other. That that really hurt. But I understand. I do think it's kind of cool that they, you know, made the characters very similar to the actor's situation. That was, I think, really awesome. But, who that hurt. And I loved Gail in this movie. I love Gail in every movie. Gail is so much fun. I wish we would have gotten more snarky comments from her, but I think they just did amazing. We talked about one of the great things Stream has going for it is the character growth. Mm-hmm. That's where Gail ended up in this movie. Yes. I'm not going to write about the killers. I want them mm-hmm. to die in anonymity. I'm going to write about, about character development. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I appreciate that too. Listen, I, I I I have become very picky about how I consume my news these days. I mean, who can blame me, right? Um, and right. I specifically follow and read people who when – tragedies like this happen they do not mention the names of the perpetrator they're like nope mm-hmm. we're not talking about it it's like nope we're going to call them yeah. the perpetrator we're going to call them the you know the the killer or whatever they're not going to give them a name because i appreciate that because that's how you really rob the power of, of that group yeah. too and you'll also keep people from doing it for that reason there's a good, yeah. good thing to be Same said there the, the whole meta um context of this movie series cannot be understated and i felt like at one point i was watching david and courtney have a conversation and a camera was just on. totally you know because you've heard them totally. talk about each other and that's how they talk about each other it was they don't like hate each other it just didn't work no you know and and i appreciate that sad. And you see all the pre-press materials like they're chummy and just whatever and we, I, also i've got to be we've got to refer to david arquette by his official title former wcw world champion david arquette let's <laughs> get this was respect on that man's name um can i say about dewey as well besides the fact that he has matured and they let him be the hero in this movie um i love the fact that he's still the awkward dewey the biggest laugh in my theater was when he was trying to let sydney and gail know ghostface was back and he decides to text gail (laughs) ghostface is back hope you're You're okay smiley face Yes, I shouldn't have put the smiley face. <laughs> yes, we all cackled at that. But, I, but again, that's that's the way. That's when I knew these writers got this. Yeah, I was like, mm, if you know how to do that, then you understand where yeah. this comes from. And I also, I'm sitting there going, Grandpa Kevin's sitting over there going, like, fellas, you, you got to put a little more snark in it. Like, just do it yeah. as you would. You know, it, back in my day, it would have been the folding note, but your day, it's it's text, so make it. But also, I don't know what cell phone company they're like 
you playing with here? They definitely didn't get iPhones for this. So Tim Cook was not forcing those. I don't know that's some Google phone thing, but that was, that was a different text format. I, I kept waiting to see like Giga Blast, the you know search engine or whatever the hell that they were playing with. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, like, you know, the, the tech stuff, because again, when you're married to somebody that works in licensing, you notice product placement in a way that you never did before. Like Pizza Hut was a big, like I get a big rib, like, ooh, they, they paid, so, you know, when, when Jack Quaid's eating Pizza Hut. But uh, they... I love the balance of these characters, but you're, you're both right about the way that David Arquette is playing Dewey. He's complete. They're all completely over it in different ways. Gail's mm-hmm. over it in her way that she will never stop being a total sellout for the camera. Yeah. And she just has embraced that now. And it's what she is. It's like years ago, they thought Kelly Ripa was going to walk away from TV and no, <laughs> like that's just what she is. You know, that's yeah. just let her do it. And fine. That's what she does. Mm-hmm. And Sydney is not here for it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I, I love that. And where Dewey is a lot like Mike Hanlon, the character from the Stephen King It book, not so much mm-hmm. the film iterations of it, but the lighthouse keeper, the one that had to stay behind to make totally. sure nobody forgot. And I loved how he got to play him too, is this kind of Clint Eastwood esque, bearded, you know, gruffed out fellow, but he makes fun of himself still, too. He's like, I've been stabbed nine times and I got a limp. I don't want to do that again, you know? And I, yeah. I and he makes fun of him, right too. It. Like, yeah. I love when he shows up to help them, when he changes his mind. And yeah. Randy makes that comment, uh, or um, is it Randy Ritchie makes that comment, mm-hmm. you know, just because he showered doesn't mean he's, you know? And exactly. like, I yes. love that because, yeah. Like, yeah, that's who he is. And you know, he is, to your point, Jay, the light keeper. And this is, I think, the first acknowledgement we've gotten a sequel that Tatum was his sister. He had her yeah. ashes in right. his was, trailer. There was a deleted scene, apparently, of him and Sydney talking about Tatum in Scream 2 that got cut. And I <sighs> want it so badly because we never get to see that development with him where he gets to grieve her or right. any yeah. of his reaction to that. And oh, I want it so bad. But I really loved how he was able to balance that kind of dorky you know the dewey we all know and love and this really grizzled lighthouse keeper because i mean obviously with like scary movie and stuff like he's been really raked across the coals and really Mm -hmm. really made fun of and so i loved seeing him you know hold on to some of that and also really grow it was just such a beautiful development yeah, we'll talk about his destiny when we get to it or whatever, but I'm I'm with you. I I I had it in my, you know, I I'll say this now. I saw the first trailer once and I purposely avoided everything else about this movie. So I went in as cold to this as I could anything, which is weird for me to do, but I I just purposely did. But I told everybody that was going to see this or I knew was going to see it. I said, uh, "If we had an office pool, my money's on Dewey not making it out of this. Like somebody's got to die." Me and, and like, you had that conversation the yes. last time you were on Kids the Podcast when yes. we talked Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, "Dude, Dewey's not making it out of that. And so I, I knew that was coming, uh, but it didn't make it any less impactful. I'll say that. So we got to talk about our new characters though, and our new cast of people here. And I want to start off with our two sisters because I think they, they really hit it out of the park, finding a couple of strong actors to play these roles. Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega are so, so above what I even expected for this they are so good and give so much of a performance that a 24 million dollar horror movie does not deserve but they gave it to it and i loved both of them i really couldn't get enough of either i I thought they were great and i don't know them for much of anything i've seen the part of vita i think was what melissa barrera's been on and stuff but i don't know jen ortega from anything so 
if either y'all know know them from something, wise me up on it because I didn't know him from nothing. I don't, but I will say Jenny Ortega was incredible, in particular Jenny Ortega. I thought she was the best of the new cast. Just the way, and we've seen this in the other screen movies, somebody gets hurt, and then they're walking around fine two minutes later. Like, she really plays up that pain. Like, when that mm-hmm. hospital scene... That wheelchair just, scene? Oh, yeah, yeah that band? Just, oh. just even climbing out of her bed into the wheelchair, the pain. Like, I was like, man, this girl did her research on what it would yeah. be like to get stabbed that many times and what the recovery would be like. Mm-hmm. She was phenomenal. Yeah, I have to say Jenna Ortega is, like, one of my favorite actresses working right now. I've known her for a really long time because she was on like, you know, some shows that were popular when I was younger. She was on you. I think she was in a couple, like might've been in like a Disney channel show or something, but, um, and she was in the babysitter movies. If you guys watch those on Netflix. <gasps> she so I do know her. Okay. Yeah. So she's like really kind of a horror scream queen. Um, she's getting there and she's going to be in the new Wednesday Adams series. She is so talented and she's so good at horror. So I was so happy to see her in here. I was so happy because she's 19. So they cast an actual teen as a teen character, which yes. if you don't know is like my one of my biggest things is like, I always want to see teens cast as teens. And so that made it, me so happy. It's funny you say that. Cause I did not know her age. And I was saying to myself, man, she looks younger than the rest of the cast. She actually looks like the kid in high school that she's supposed yeah, to be. Exactly. And, that, and there you go. She actually mm-hmm. is. That's why. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love Tara, but I will say in that first scene, when she mentioned elevated horror, I was so ready for Ghostface to kill her. <laughs> I was like, Get her. No, I love that though. I love that they referenced that though. Oh, because, because that is sure. the lens that her, your age group and her age group kind of know horror from, right? You're, you're kind of the exception to the rule, Corey. So. <laughs> it, was, it was perfect, but when she said that, I was like, kill her, dismember yeah. her. I want to see her guts on the floor. Yeah, I want, I want to say something right now. No, no, I, the Babadook is terrible. I'm sorry. That's medium what? popcorn, boring. No. I will bat for Hereditary and the Vavitch all day. And uh, even <laughs> somewhat uh, Midsummer. Because that took me two times to get through it to figure out it's somebody trying to be Stanley Kubrick in a horror movie. So I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but, um, or like a weird Pink Floyd record played play backwards. But uh, th- that, yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you, Corey. When she started laying that out, I was like, oh, no, no. She was like, you I don't stop. watch those movies. That's stupid. I was like, kill her immediately. Yes, you, you deserve to die just for that. But no, I, I loved her. I loved her kid. smart attitude, though, and yes. how she was and she had so much presence but i I thought melissa Barrera though was so much fun and had so much energy now she's a lot older she's 30 Mm -hmm. um so and you can tell like maturity is not something you can hide and i know she's playing an older character she's supposed to play somebody that's 25 or whatever so she doesn't look 30 but she definitely plays she's been around the the, you know the sun three decades so she knows what's going on and she understood the depth of that because they give her that huge exposition dump on why she is who she is. And I thought, uh oh, we're about to over explain everything real fast in the first act here. But I, I actually thought they did a pretty good job of cutting that up. And you can tell it's cut to hell. I mean, they edited a lot of that, but I, I bought it and I bought her. And moreover, I really liked how 
she was she was also in the she got from here to over it very quickly it's like no we're not staying we're going to leave like no yeah we're going to well, I, I like that because that's what you want everyone in a horror movie to be like you want them to be smart enough like hey yeah. we're gonna and she even calls out of this movie we're gonna do what nobody does in this situation mm-hmm. and we're gonna leave town and i love that mm-hmm. but yeah let's talk about her for a minute because can we talk since we're on the topic of her can we talk about her visions yeah okay we got to get into that yeah okay i, I got what questions did, what did you guys think about that because i was i was watching that and okay well first of all did you guys put together that billy essentially did to his daughter what maureen did to roman mm-hmm. and just left and walked out of the life which yeah. started this whole thing to begin to be with there he got shot so well <laughs> okay <laughs> That's but i don't fair. know that it was on his priority list to hang around after his murder spree either so well he also chose to go on a murder spree that could have ended up with him True. dying if That's he were a responsible parent, he wouldn't have done that. Let's true. So, that true. He he should have done the right thing and not snuck in his girlfriend's bedroom. When he, yeah, I mean, did, not kill people. You know, yeah. How did you guys interpret those visions, though? Because okay, I'm just going to say this right now. Um, I feel about that the same way I feel about every time in the Halloween sequels, they have Laurie Strode tried to take off Michael Myers damn mask. What does she expect? He looks like <laughs> what difference does it make at this point? And I'm talking about the brother sister angle sequel that we've now written out. I always had a problem with that. It was always the dumbest thing. I'm like, no, you don't do that. You just kill him. You kill him <laughs> twice. And then you let them figure that shit out. Like you don't do that. And I'm going, how would she have any frame of reference for, did she see like crime scene photos? Cause he looks like he's the way he died. I'm like, did she, it was yeah, the news? Same white shirt. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, like, that was, and then again, and I'll, at least I credit them for, they got Skeet Ulrich back who I like on Riverdale. And that is a whack-a-mole show too, Yes, but is. I think he's fun on the it, but I know what he looks like now. And I'm like, Ooh. And then I saw, I was like, Oh, it's the Irishman trick. I was like, well, there went about $5 million of the budget right there because <laughs> he hadn't been 20 in a long time. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I had, I had real questions and problems. Well, with that. I'll be honest with you. There's, it doesn't make any sense why she would be that unless they're trying to say that serial killer genes are passed on just like hair color. And it's just in the back of your head. Well, you know, I look just like my um, paternal grandfather who died long before I met. I don't walk around with him talking over my head though i have no idea what he sounded like so it's uh, it was it was a little weak on the old motivation there for me what did you think about that Corey? because i'm, I'm I, curious. different opinion i really enjoyed it i think that was definitely a way to ponder to gen z because we're all in love with billy loomis unfortunately but we are uh, he's wonderful, and I love him. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, lots of women are. Jay yeah. O'Reilly in love with Billy Loomis. So. Yes. <laughs> Who isn't in love with Billy Loomis, right? And I think he was one of the big draws for Gen Z to watch Scream anyways. And so bringing him back, especially because he's on Riverdale, he's already popular with us. So mm-hmm. I think that was fun. And I also think it was really interesting that they were able to bring in this angle of trauma and mental illness, which made me really happy because that's something we don't really get to see in a lot of the films. That is true. And like, if your father were a serial killer and were like that, that trauma can be passed down to you as a child and you can get <laughs> visions like that. Like that's a thing that can happen to people. I mean, it might not necessarily be the same thing, but I really liked how they did that. And I thought it was a very clever way to bring him back because I figured they would do something to bring him back. And I think like reviving him from the dead somehow would not have been 
true to the franchise. I think this was the truest way they could have brought him back. I'll tell you, I was with it until her and Richie wrestling on the ground. Yeah. And he put, he shows up in the mirror and basically indicates a knife under the, yeah. and then, you know, she kills him, whatever. And then when she's outside or in the car again or whatever, he's just smiling at her. Like, I'm proud mm-hmm. of you, honey. And I'm like, is it, are they trying to like make him a hero here by how, him helping <laughs> the her? Like, what's going like, on? Yeah. They like, were trying to Anakin Skywalker him, y'all. They gave him mm-hmm. a force ghost. Totally. So that's what this was. Because they, look, this series is not above that. Clearly, Kevin Williamson has some real problems with the Disney Star Wars trilogy because they trashed it for <laughs> multiple segments of this. And I understand why. I'm, I'm here for it, but because it's in the archives, you can hear my thoughts on them. But I, I was, I actually said to myself in the theater, I was like, of all the people that got a force ghost, Billy was not someone I thought would be up for that. He didn't really have a redeeming moment ever at, at any time. So. Like I was wondering, was that some kind of because obviously these movies are all about you know making fun of other movies. Is that like a dig at films like Cruella and Maleficent? Where totally. Like oh these yes. these films that are trying to redeem yeah. like these non-redeemable characters i that's why i think i think i think it's that and i think something Corey mentioned too it's today's audience that this is built for and it is for gen z's audience understands therapy and trauma in a way that we've never talked about in our society so thank god that it's actually a conversation we can have now and we understand that but it also means that now we're going to lace that throughout your pop culture. And I kind of wonder sometimes if maybe we shouldn't do that because maybe that's it's too much. There's something to be said for separating your the real life from art too much uh, or th- there's value in doing that. But I think that's exactly what they're doing is two things is paying homage to the fact that there are all these these reboots, remakes, whatever nowadays where we're going to take the worst character ever and we're going to make them sympathetic in some way. And we want to acknowledge the fact that today's teenage audience and 20-something audience understands therapy and how to deal with emotions and things that get passed down and stuff in a way that maybe we haven't before. So it's a combo of the two. But and for the most part, it's not that big a deal. But Anthony, you're, you're dead on. When he like sort of throws the knife to her basically i'm like okay now that was a little bit we didn't need that like, <laughs> yeah i think i think she had enough motivation to kill him at that point when it first started out i was like oh man five movies in are they finally going the like michael myers route where they just make him supernatural and ghostface is gonna be like a supernatural killer or something i thought that i was first, so like, worried oh. about that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and then secondly um just to say something um you mentioned star wars jay the sequel trilogy that's something I wanted to bring up when we talked about the legacy cast real quick. That's my one of my only gripes of this film. We didn't get to see all three of them share the screen together again. Just like we yeah. never got to see Luke, Khan, and Leia share the screen again in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we never got them all in the same place mm-hmm. again. But I, I'll, I'll only counter that with Anthony was I like the fact that Sydney was like, <clears throat> I ain't coming back. It would take yeah. Dewey died yeah. for her to come back. Like, totally. That's, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. The, the story reason made a lot more sense than any yeah, of the Star Wars. It, you just hate it not seeing them together, you know. So it's, yep. yeah, it's it's there. But we, we like our two sisters. We, we got to talk about Jack Quaid for a minute. <laughs> now, I'm a big fan of both of his parents. How could you not be if you grew up in your mind? And when you see him, Corey, if you haven't seen a lot of old Dennis Quaid movies, go back. Because okay. you, you see the dude. He's just a little bit bigger. Dennis Quaid was best described for me years ago by my friend Stuart as he is a dime store Harrison Ford. 
he is kind of this rascal. He's not really a hero, but he's not a bad guy, but he can be both and he can be sinister and he kind of sneers all the time. And he just has this kind of wit to him that makes him a little, a little dark. But when he's on the screen, you know, one of two things, either he's there for the yucks or he's up to no good. And the minute he walked in, and because I knew he was in this movie, but I didn't know what character he was playing. And they revealed him to be the boyfriend. Immediately in my head, I was like, I'm, I'm like, do it. I'm like, oh, it's him. Like, I don't know how. Somehow it's him. Like, it's him and yeah, one of these other too. kids. I don't know which one, but it's him and one of them because it's it's too obvious. And it was so obvious that it was, it, it was honest. And that's nothing on the dude because I thought he gave a great performance. He's got some of the best lines. Excellent. He's funny Excellent. and he's good. And oh. I want to see him in more <laughs> stuff. But it was you obvious. You root for him a little bit. You're like, I like yeah. this character. Like, yeah, yeah. Did either but, of you guys watch The Boys on Amazon Prime? He yes. no, not yet. Great in that. Show. He is great at that. I agree. I agree, Anthony. So I, I was familiar with him from that kind of thing, and I'm like, I kind of feel like. And so when he did the reveal, I was like, you know, I kind of buy it. And I, I, we'll talk about his motivation in a little bit or whatever. But I'm like, somebody somewhere told this dude. Go watch Timothy Oliphant and Scream Two. Like that's sort of you because yeah. he does the same stuff. Like it's the same speech at the end. It's pretty pretty wild how that's come around. But I I like I like Jack Quaid. I, and I and I like the Richie character. I thought he was fun. I loved him uh, from like the moment he started on screen. I was like, this character is epic. I know he's probably going to be the bad guy, but part of me was wondering. <laughs> If they were going to do that because of Billy, I was like, is this going to be a callback to Billy or like what's happening? Because with the boyfriend, I'm like, it's a little obvious, but I still thought it was really great. And I thought he did a very good job of throwing us off. Although every time he mentioned things where he was like, this is what always happens in these movies. And I was like, you said you only watched one stab. So I know yes, you're lying. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Like he would bring up all of these things about where he would say like plural. And I was like, mm -hmm. hmm, interesting. But he was so much fun. and. Even if the whole time, even as he was, as I thought he was the killer, I was like, I still vibe with him. Like, I'm still fine with him being the killer and doing all this stuff. I don't care. Like, he was so as, a as a millennial, I related big time to him trying to clear out the house of Gen Zers. Like, all right, yeah. let's go. Come on. Yep, mm -hmm. go. And they're all cursing him out. And he's just mm -hmm. trying to exasperatedly yeah. get around the house. Somebody's weird dad just cut down the party. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got a huge kick out of all of it. But I love, I love, But when you watch him do that, though, seriously, Corey, you're watching him do his dad. Like he's oh, yeah. he's got a little bit of Meg Ryan's like sensibilities too, but he's very much his father's son. Like you can tell. It's it's like watching Dennis Quaid for me. It was, and I I don't know. He, it is it is too obvious a little bit. But on the other hand, the way that they play it off, it, I think and I haven't seen this movie again and I want to see it on a rewatch now knowing it, that's the fun of rewatching these is once you know, can you see the clues getting dropped? And right. there are times that, like I'm thinking back we in my head, I'm like, can. Oh yeah, he's just telling you like, <laughs> it's yeah. him. it was obvious to me, like from the beginning, like it was for both of you guys, like even the other killer who we'll get to in a minute, it was obvious to me, but I love that. Again, they make Dewey smart enough. He picks out right from the beginning. Did you know him? How long have you known him? Well, he's yeah. ob the obvious suspect. And I love that they yeah. didn't dumb him down. He's like, I've been through this. It's you. It's clearly yeah. you. And, and Dewey even calls that, or he calls that out later. He's like, Dewey nailed it from the beginning. Like, yeah. He knew it. You didn't listen to him. And I, I thought, <laughs> well, that's funny. You call that out. Yeah. <laughs> that was something I really liked about his character, too, is like, I felt like he was dropping little hints along the way to be like, if you pick up on this, then you'll get me. But that's like part of the fun. And I also mm -hmm. felt like he really had so much fun with it and knew exactly 
he was just a fan and I, I related to that I was like if I were if I were to be in that situation and doing the same thing this is how I would go about it like but it was what Mickey was, was so in, in part yeah. two he was a he was a fan so he, he had to make except that Mickey killer. wanted to get caught Richie didn't yeah. it's the trial of the century the but, trial of the century but but when that was made what was that on the heels of the OJ. trial of the century OJ yeah, exactly. so that was a, this is made in in the era where everybody listens to what true crime podcast they watch yeah. true crime television so he's kind of in the and true crime the the obsession with that has kind of changed the way horror movies get made y'all i mean y'all know that and yep. so he's referencing the the obvious to that so i i got a kick out of him i thought he was a ton of fun i'll tell you all right now though my two favorite new characters and they're just smaller pieces or whatever are the brother and sister i got a huge laugh out of both of them i don't know them from anything but i want to see them in stuff can we also just say how great was it that they brought Randy's sister back from Scream yes. for yes. like yes. a 30 second cameo as their mom, as she, which was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. That no, that awesome. was perfect to, that. to have them all tied together. And you may think, oh, like, oh gosh, isn't that like the complaint that the series is too small? It's a small friggin' town. Everybody does yeah. know everybody. That's the part. That's the fun mm-hmm. part of it. Is yeah, they all would know this. And I, I mean, I think, I think uh, the Ghostface Roger Jackson does a great job of dropping the line. Like, you live in Woodsboro and you don't watch stab movies. What's wrong with you? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, if if that's a real place that if they made movies about where I'm from, you bet I'm. I don't care. You would watch all are. of them. Yes, yeah. I would own them. Uh, yes, I would have autographs of people on them. Yes, because I would. Well, be that's one. That's one of the things I liked about this movie in particular. Mm-hmm. The, and I forgot who says it. But they make the comment near the beginning. Oh, every ten years or so, somebody dons another ghost face mask. Yeah, Dewey says it. Dewey. Yeah, they yeah. Dewey. So yeah, and it's like I love because every town. Every town in America has that legend, has that mm-hmm. house. You cross to yeah. the inside of the street. And I just love that. You really felt in this movie, I think more than any of the other sequels, and maybe it's because we saw more of the town. Like, I love the shots in the car where they're driving yes. in and out of town, and you saw the Woodsboro limits and everything. Like, mm-hmm. you, like your breath almost catches in your throat when they cross yeah. the city limits into the town. Like, I yeah. thought all of that was fantastic. How Ghostface has kind of become what Billy and Stu have done has become stuff of legend in this town. That was all great. Well, I mean, you think about it, like, so proud of them. You think about you think about it like in that the in Halloween Kills, you've got the two mm-hmm. men that are living, the couple that live in the old Myers house, and the kids try to prank oh them, God, and then they just turn it around on them. I'm like, yeah. that is yep. awesome. That's exactly what you should do if you lived in that house. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, exactly. I, but no, I love Chad and Mindy. I got so much fun out of the way that they. They hate love each We're other, so you know. Good. Though at the end, when like they give each other the thumbs up, I really wanted to just flip each other off because that's what they've been doing the whole movie anyway. Yeah. I was like, oh, they should just flip each other off. Like that would have been funnier. I love that her brother calls her out. You're getting comfort watching a movie of our uncle getting stabbed to death on the on the couch. <laughs> yes. I laughed so hard at that. Yeah, but I <laughs> love that they gave her the Randy role to yes. lay out the rules with Dewey. That was great. It made me so happy too because I was like, if if only you'd gotten to know your uncle, like you two would have been best buds. Like he would have been so oh, proud of you. And I think about Randy like introducing her to all these horror movies, and I think it's just so perfect. Well, clearly his well, sister was-, was right in that same line because then she obviously didn't keep them from following the same. Yeah. They have a shrine to him in their living room for goodness sakes. So, so one of the themes of this movie is actually when Mindy is on the couch drunk. And she's yeah, watching yeah. Randy, watching Halloween. Halloween. I know. It's, 
It's one of those MC Escher things that just goes yeah. on and on forever. <laughs> Scream Six, we have the same thing, and yeah. right, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, and, 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 uh, Stab Seven is the beginning of Stab Six, but then there's the one with time travel, and yeah, I remember that from <laughs> Scream Four. Uh, Amy T. Garden did a great, great cameo um, part there, um, but no, I, I thought they were a lot of fun, and I knew immediately. I was like, oh, I, I hate that you're both going to die horribly because I love you. You're funny, and yeah. the fact that they don't, I'm like, oh, you get yeah. to live, and that's what I'm like. They Which really just means it's Scream Six. At this. least one of them is going to die. Well, we'll talk about that but in a minute. Yet. But yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I, I loved both of them. Live, I'm like, eh, whatever. You know, you're you're here. Uh, Wes comes in, poor Dylan Manette with those horrendous frosted tips. Um, but you know, I great actor. Those. I, I thought it was like a callback to the bangs in Scream Three, like just weird hair. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, we got to have weird hair. I think you're exactly right, Corey. It's weird hair. I, I mean, people know him, of course, from Thirteen Reasons Why and some of the other things he's done. He's a phenomenal actor. Um, yeah, kind of given really he was nothing, awesome in this. Yeah, really given nothing to do, but he's fun in it. What I do though is that they gave him the gratuitous shower scene which yeah. is a flip on that because usually that's the girl and no nope, we're going to show you the guy with the you know he's basically going to be you know topless for the whole time and yeah we're gonna we're gonna flip the script on that and i got a kick out of that i was like okay i see what y'all are doing i get it that's, see, that's why i'm like these these directors clearly understand like gender roles in such a great way and yeah. they have such a perfect way of turning them on their head and it just makes me so happy every time i watch one of their films because they're all like that i I was gonna say they give him that fantastic scene after the shower where he's going through his house opening fridges and cabinets Mm -hmm. and the music Mm -hmm. is building the tension is building and every time it closes one you expect ghostface to be there and they subvert your expectations every time because ghostface is nowhere and I don't know about your theater experiences, but you could feel like oh, every everybody time was doing that, this. Everybody like, was leaning yeah, forward the whole time. <gasps> yes. Yeah. <gasps> we were all waiting for it to happen. Cause you knew, yep. I mean, you knew, you knew it was going to happen because his mother had yeah. just got it on the, the front steps. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about poor Marley Shelton comes back for a nothing role as, as Sheriff Judy lemon bars. As I mean, I she it. made her lemon squares. Yes. She made her <laughs> lemon squares. But and that's, when you do, like, oh, everybody's going to die in this house. Like, yeah. <laughs> How great was that? That ghost face killed both of them broad daylight, which is a change. Yes. I yes. like that. I thought that was yes. really okay. cool. Yeah. That was, that's probably the one thing I, I would ever give screen two credit for is the broad daylight killing. Mm-hmm. Like, because most of the time it is in dark shadows, even if it's happening in the daytime. It's I I appreciated that as well, and we'll talk about who kills who in a minute because I want to get y'all's thoughts on that because I think I've mapped it out right, but we'll see. But yeah, he's kind of there. Live again is kind of eh. She's just sort of there to to be uh, killed. I got to talk about Amber though, <clears throat> and this is nothing against Mickey Madison. I think she's does fine with what she's given. The fact that they ask her to play a character that when she is the killer grows six inches and has at least 60 <laughs> pounds of torque more. I know I'm, I know I'm supposed to suspend disbelief. I, I get it. Even Jack Quaid couldn't take three slugs in a yeah. vest and get up and kill Dewey like that. Like when, she, when Ghostface kills Dewey, Ghostface is taller than Dewey. You'd think Mickey Madison's maybe four foot ten, maybe because David Arquette's like five ten. So he, Look, you know he's tall for Hollywood, but he ain't tall. Here's the thing: like I, I thought that I, I thought the same thing when watching it, but then I thought to myself, well, you could probably make the same argument with Jill and Mrs. Loomis and like oh, yeah. killers throughout the franchise, and I would have just wrote it off as that. 
But for some reason, this movie in particular, the way they shot Ghostface, he was towering in this movie. Like it was always from the bottom up, like where he looked like this looming presence. So it baffled my mind that at least by my count, I think it was Amber in the costume most of the time or supposed to be. Yeah, I think she does most of the kills. Jack Quaid himself is almost six feet tall. Um, so he's tall for Hollywood standards. That's tall. Uh, yeah. But Mickey Madison is not <laughs> tall. And moreover, she, she's not. Listen, though, she imposing. was wearing some pretty big boots when you she see was. her yeah. kill people. She could have been on stilts or something. <laughs> you never still, know. Still, though, like you can have height. It doesn't mean you have leverage and strength. And I would say this before, like Billy and Stu, especially um, Matthew Lillard. He's really tall. He's- those oh, guys, yeah. I can see those guys doing what they did. I can see Mickey doing what he did. Timothy Olyphant's a big dude. Yeah, Roman in part three yeah. doing it because he's kind of a you know he's a built guy. He's in shape, but th- this one I'm like, okay, we have we have, uh, yeah. Well, first when you asked you asked me to believe Emma Roberts could do some of that shit, I was like, no, nor the like lesser lesser Culkin brother. No, <laughs> I just didn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't buy that. Like physically, it didn't make any sense. And this one just continues that. I'm like, well, I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to think about that. I get, I'm not supposed to think about that, <laughs> but I can't help but think about it. Cause it's, it's right there in my face. It's just, but, uh, like, but it changed the way I feel about Amber too, though, because I, I get why it's going to be her. Like, yeah, I mean, I sort of get her motive and everything. Cause again, it's very much like Stu's like, Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> you know, or whatever. She's bored in a small town or been kind of psychotic, but it's, I don't know. Like I, it just, it just changed the way I felt about her. Cause the whole time I'm like, I kind of like this chick. She's sort of like pouty McPout face sitting over in the corner. You know, she's not really doing anything. She's just, I'm waiting for like her to get attacked. And at one point it dawns on me. I'm like, every one of these people has been stalked except her. Yeah. It's probably her. Oh, I maybe picked her from her. the beginning. Oh, because have you, you guys seen, I have you guys seen once upon a time in Hollywood? She was a psycho Manson chick in that one too. <laughs> who she was who, good at that? She was. Who got set on fire at the end and came out with the knife to stab Brad Pitt? I was like, they did the same thing in this movie. <laughs> what if she's like she's like the only actress in Hollywood that is training getting set on fire? <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's been pigeonholed into that room. Her <laughs> and Dick Warlock are the, yeah. the two people that will still do it. So, no, that you know that is hilarious. I didn't even think about that. Because I, I knew it was the boyfriend. I'm like, okay, who's his little accomplice? And I kept bouncing back and forth between like Mindy or maybe they're going to be real whack-a-mole and it's going to be sydney and she's been there the whole time like let's really flip it on i thought it was going to be stew i really that was one of my he's going to come back from the tv there was going to be a big stew like yeah some kind of stew reference i really wanted one and we did not get a like we got kyle gallner playing his like nephew or something a throwaway nothing role not enough Throwaway he looks like role, Morgan Wayland. That scene was pretty cool. I liked the <laughs> use of red great. right hand in that scene. How it was on the radio as he got so as he got killed. Good. When that song that. came on, I freaked out. Yeah, I knew, I, I, I knew I mean, he was dead. Theme. I knew he was dead meat when he pulled the knife out in the bar. I'm like, well, this loser's going down. Like pr- yeah. probably pretty soon. And then when red right hand came up, I was like, oh yeah, he's dead. But the way he gets killed, it's very different than the usual ghost feast kill. The usual ghost face kill is really over the top, right? It was super subtle. Like he just stabbed him right in the throat mm-hmm. and then bled him out. Yeah. I will say a lot of the kills in this movie, that was one of my kind of disappointing things was like they were all 
almost entirely slashes with the knife. Like there were, I was expecting stuff like the TV death, you know, and we just, or the, the Casey Becker death. Like we just didn't get Mm -hmm. that kind of. Well, there was really no um, chase scenes in this movie, which was a staple of all the other ones. Like Ghostface Mm -hmm. just showed up and killed them. There was no chase. There's a little bit of a struggle, but he just came up. I will say about his death in particular at the car, they cut the best shot of the trailer, which is the shadow of Ghostface on the wall. Yeah. They cut that. Yeah. I was like, why would you remove they, that from the movie? They cut a lot from the trailer, and I was really impressed with the marketing because it was so different from the movie, and I was mm-hmm. taken aback entirely. Like, yeah. everything was so unexpected. The points you were bringing up earlier about how Mikey Madison, like, obviously couldn't be six feet tall, whatever. I will say that is brought up in Scream pretty much only when there's a female killer. And I understand that a lot mm-hmm. of people think that women are much weaker than men and say that it's a biological fact, and maybe it is. But I will say, women have an extremely high pain tolerance, higher than men. And also, mm-hmm. I feel like if, if Billy and Stu can survive that much, like these characters can probably still survive a good amount, just given the universe that we're in. Like It seems like people can go through a good amount. I do think she was obviously too short for the role. I don't know why they keep casting such short actresses. Like they could just cast people that were taller or, you know, give them really high heels or something. But yeah, I'll, I'll well, clarify what I was saying. I appreciate what you said, Corey. You're, you're dead on, right? It's not so much that it's uh, a, this little girl couldn't do that damage because I've seen the Tasmanian devil work. I know how that, that can happen. <laughs> it's more of the, the fact that they shoot it such where Ghostface yeah. is this looming thing. And it's like, but I just, I mean, it would be that. more interesting to me. And that's what's interesting about the first one is if you go back and watch it. And I know it's not them in the, in the costumes, but they do a good job in that first movie of making sure the stuntmen like you can go back yeah. and go like, that's when Billy had it on. That's when Stu had it mm-hmm. on. Cause they are different sizes and you yeah. can kind of see it. They abandon that in all the rest of them. Cause they, they figure mm-hmm. who cares if they had just done it. where like, he just looked average. Cause that's the thing about the yeah. original Halloween that makes Michael Myers so friggin' scary is he just looks like some dude. He's not mm-hmm. this hulking beast. He's not an eight foot tall wrestler. Like Rob Zombie cast in that. <laughs> his yeah. Yeah, poor Tyler <laughs> I do think though, like, I thought they were shooting that in a way to throw us off. Like, mm-hmm. because they shot in such, they saw so many weird angles and also really tight shots where, like, you could not totally tell how tall mm-hmm. Ghostface was in actuality, that that was, like, a way to throw us off. Because, like, Liv, I would assume, was super tall, and Mindy looked a lot taller than Amber. So it was, like, there were so many different heights around us that we could that could have been that character, and you just had no idea. Well, the other thing, too, is they shoot so many of these characters, particularly when we're getting the big exposition scene from them. They're all sitting down. Mindy's the only yeah. one who really stands up. And then that's a throw off, too. I mean, this movie, these movies are all about trying to keep you, you mm-hmm. know, chasing the red herrings. And the thing that I'll say about the cinematography that I loved in this, that's not something Craven would have done, is all the cuts to the doors locking and unlocking. It's so good. And they're from different angles, too. It's yeah. it, it's almost like you would be disoriented in that situation. I love that. I thought that was really well done. And it added to the tension that the score so was much. pumping and all that other stuff was mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, I'll tell you what my favorite bit of cinematography in, the, in this movie was. It's a house reveal. Because in oh. the trailer, you know it's Stu's house. Yeah. 
but they play this party without showing you anything of the house. Mm-hmm. They're just showing you bits and pieces of the house. And it's not until Sydney calls her and tells her, get out. It's Stu mm-hmm. Mocker's old house. The mm-hmm. camera like pans back out of the front and, like, door, moves, like turns, mm-hmm. like she's having so a dizzy attack or something. And you get the house in all its glory. I thought that, that was so well done. That <laughs> is straight out of two things. It's straight out of the sheriff in Jaws when we're, we're doing the push and pull the Hitchcock thing with, with Brody on the beach. And from the original When a Stranger Calls, when they finally tell um, Carol Kane it's coming from inside the house, <laughs> they cut to all these things and they just pull way out. And it's, I'm like, oh, yes. they. And that's one of my favorite horror movies it's only good in the first act but it's that first act saves the rest of it and it's the same thing i felt the same kind of rush i was like oh holy cow because again i saw that first trailer once so i remembered nothing other than who basically was in it and when they did that i was i literally did this in my seat just sat straight up i was like oh no they didn't that is awesome what a great reveal and yeah. I, it makes it makes it, it was one of the more memorable moments in in the thing for sure. Yeah, and it's cool because was, when you think of what they did inside of the house too, like they gave you the scene in the garage with the fridge, yes. and then they mm-hmm. gave you a lot of the scene in the living room with the TV where Randy died. Like they mm-hmm. played up those rooms, which is obviously changed and modernized mm-hmm. the time as new residents came. It was great. I loved yeah. it. Oh yeah, they played around all of it. So I did a oh, little a little. Uh, uh, family circus map of who killed who and i want to see if 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 i got it right if y'all if y'all think i'm right okay so the attack on tara that was obviously amber because we know richie is with sam in modesto when that goes down Mm -hmm. hanging out at george lucas's place apparently and then vince cal Cal galner again i think that's richie does that one and i don't think why does anything else why do i think that is because uh amber's inside with all of them And it's still inside. I mean, they're getting run off, but she can't just like, hey, guys, I left my purse and then go kill him. Yeah. Like, Richie's and somewhere else. the sheriff yeah. say that she was at the station at one point, too? Yeah, getting questioned or something like that. Yeah, you're right. So, so my and, question then would be, where's Sam during that scene? Is she at the hospital at that point already? I, that's why I'm wondering if she's at the hospital and Richie has snuck off. Because, again, it's a small town, so you got to figure maybe they're down the block from each other. Like, yeah. I, mm. I mean, I'm giving it a lot, but I don't think it could be Amber. I think Judy and Wes are Amber. Um, Judy and the cop at the hospital are Amber. Um, she kills the cop that you know sets all that off because she's a part of that attack because Richie's there defending at that point, right? Uh, Chad, I, okay, I had questions. I think Amber stabs Chad because I know she shoots Liv, and I think Richie stabs Mindy. Because he had gone downstairs and then came back. I think yeah. that's right. But I think the only two Richie's really involved in are Vince and Mindy. And then he's supposed to be at the end. But the rest of them are Amber, I, if I'm counting right. I think that's right. I think Amber was Ghost Face most of the time. Yeah. Um, since you listed off the deaths, can we talk in detail about Dewey's death? Oh, yes. We, th- that's the one we, we really need to talk about. Because the rest of these do just kind of come and go. But Dewey's is elaborate. Yeah. But well-deserved, I think. As it should be, yeah. Yeah. As it should be. Um, okay, so for the record, I knew the minute. First of all, I knew the minute they go to the hospital, somebody's not getting out of there alive. Yeah. <laughs> we got to have and a beat obvious- back, too, that changes things, yeah. Yeah, and it's obviously going to be Dewey. I knew it was Dewey because him and Gail didn't even get to say a proper goodbye. You get the scene where she's calling him and he just puts the phone away, like – all these hints like, oh, Dewey's about to get it. 
when it happens, well, first of all, he shoots her and then he goes back to the head. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, A, I'm glad they referenced that from the original. He knows yeah. it has to be a headshot. But at the same time, like, do we know this is it? He's going back. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was brutal. And I love that they made it so brutal. Like, yeah, you can't even think, like, oh, he survived it somehow. No. Takes a knife, splits him up the front and the back. And yeah. I well, he survived even... so much. They, she had they to, had be to make it obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's a line, too, that's like, it's such an honor to kill you it's or something an honor. like that. And like I we all thought it was going to be for Sydney, but it wasn't. Right? Yeah, yeah. trailer manipulation. I love that. Mm-hmm. But I love that they even the person Amber in this case in the Ghostface mask acknowledges what an honor it is to kill mm-hmm. one of the originals who no other yeah. Ghostface could kill. Like it was so well done. I loved it. The thing that really that had me like screaming though in the theater, I was like, "Take off her mask! Like mm-hmm. take off the mask! You're such a veteran at this. Like you should know." That you have to reveal her identity immediately. The second she's knocked out, you get the mask off. Because even if you don't kill her, that still takes so much power away from her and who the other ghost face would be. So that really that really bugged me. It bugs me every time in every movie when people don't take off their masks. But this one, I was like, do we should know better? That gave me major Scream 2 vibes where they're crawling yes. out of the car. Mm-hmm. And Sydney's like, I gotta go back and take off the mask. Like, just take it off right there! You know... It, no, it's it's you're both dead on, and I had I, like I said I had in my own pool. I'm like, Dewey ain't making out of this movie, but I had changed my mind at that point. I was like, you know what? Maybe they're all gonna make it at this point. Oh, no. Maybe they're all gonna. But when he stopped at the elevator and he turned around, I was like, he gone. Yep. It's over. Yeah. So I was like, yep, this is it. Because it's the look on his face, and I'm like, oh, David, you you told us right there like oh i love it but i loved it i loved that they gave him a very ceremonial big yes. death he needed that and deserved it and earned it and yeah. I, it's the, not like a hero's death yeah it's, and they and gave, I, it's the best kill in the movie it really is 100 percent. and they gave him the what we never see in these movies is their loved one reacting to the news that he right. died Right. Which you needed because Gail and him had the history. So when she shows up at the hospital as they're carrying out the bag, I love that. It was silent. She's just screaming yeah. in silence as they're holding her back. So well, well what, done. Two, two times she's seen him wheeled out on gurneys, and this time he's not in the bag. He's, he's yeah. there, but he's in the bag. And it's, I'm like, oh, I mean, that just, uh, and to, to Courtney Cox's credit, really just flushed the emotion out of her face. It was yeah. like, that's exactly how you should have played it. That was perfect. And and I, I think that yeah. that's awesome that they had that real life relationship because even though mm-hmm. they're divorced in real life now, they, there's no, there seems to be no ill will between them and oh. somebody that important in your life, whether or not you're together or not, they die, you are going to react like that. So I wonder mm-hmm. how much of that was her drawing on, okay, you know, this is what would happen if this was actually real right now. Yeah. Well, it, it's the thing though that she says something to him about, you know, he talks about what a loser he is and all this. This is early in the movie when they're chatting it up. And she says, You're a lot of things, but a coward's not one of them. And the fact that he doesn't go out like a coward, like that he's been skewered as mm-hmm. in the scary movies and that everybody, you know, talks about him as, he's not a dummy. He, he's just, he's just a sweet guy. And he's been through hell. So that's why he's kind of grizzled now. But he sacrifices so other people could get away. And that's what 
I, it's a great sacrificial death. It, it's I'm going to say something controversial, Anthony. It's more earned than the Han Solo death in Forza Awakens. So, yeah, I I think I 100% agree with you. Me too. All right, so we're three for three on that. I think it was also just a better. It was such a better send off too. Like it was yeah. so much more. It was what he deserved. Whereas I don't think Han Solo necessarily that wasn't the death he deserved but and the way no, they played the classic dewey theme like those strings on the guitar mm-hmm. as he died like i the, the loved western. it yeah the western yeah 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 no i i love that that de- again of all the deaths in this um they are very perfunctory like you say the kills are except this one and they obviously wanted to spend some real time on this and well i think the west death was was well deserved because like not only do they have Dylan Minnette, so they have to really give him something to do because he's such a talented actor for such a short amount of scenes. But I think because he had Wes's, he was Wes's namesake, like they needed to really play up everything that he got. And I really like that they did. Yeah, 100%. Although I did think to myself, how interesting would it have been? Because Ghostface is obviously on the phone with Judy in the car. Like, oh, I see your son. You're not going to make it, blah, 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 blah. And she says, please, I'll do anything. How interesting would it have been if she turned out to be like a third killer? Like he got her to like Mm, kill other people. I was like, for a minute there, before he ran out of the house and killed her, I thought, oh, this could be really interesting. Yeah, me too. Right. I thought they, they might go there, but the fact that they don't, and then we already talked about the way that he gets stalked around the house. Mm-hmm. And it's great, but boy, you talk about a violent death that they give him. And I don't know for a fact what the effects were on this. I know that was one of the big complaints on part four was that they CGI'd all the kill effects. And at some points you can kind of tell, and I don't know, there seemed to be a lot more mix of practical stuff with this than there was last but, time. And so if, if they, if, mm-hmm. if it is computer, they really hit it well, because when he gets stabbed through the neck, that's pretty brutal. I think yeah. this is a glorious scream. Even the beginning when Tara gets stabbed in the hand, when she puts up her mm-hmm. hand and he just stabs right through it. Like, I think we've upped the, the game on Gore. Uh, Corey, tell me, we've upped the game so much on Gore nowadays. Like, you really do. If you go too over the top, it's ridiculous, but you got to, like, mm-hmm. have stakes in these things now. You yeah. can't do, like, what we did in Scream 1. No. Um, and I really, really love that. And especially, like, the stab through the mouth, which I think was. That was uh, Jack, uh, yeah. That was uh, uh, Jack yeah. Quinn got that one. Richie got that. Yeah, yeah, that was so good, and there were so many great ones like that. But I was again, like I was just expecting less stabbings and more like anything else, I guess. So that was like one of the things that I really wish we would have seen more is like really creative kills. But I know the guys at Radio Silence are huge horror fans, and that was so clear with the gore that they had and with like the practical effects usage. Like diehard horror fans use practical effects, and so that's. I- that's yeah, I have I a theory as to why it's all stabbings real quick. I, I think it's because they, they repeated all the time in this movie, the two killers do, about how we're getting back to the basics. We're going back yeah. to the original. And I think that's why they didn't do the throw you off the balcony kill and, the, <laughs> you know, this, that and the other, because they wanted to get back to where the roots of the thing were. Because we, we yeah. got to talk about like the meta premise of this movie, because these movies all have one of these and it's all about the, I call it the rise of the requel, um, and, which was a phrase I didn't realize existed until this movie happened, but it totally makes sense that we'd call something like this. What, what did y'all think of it? Cause Mindy's the one that really lays it out. Like what the, the rules are here and how they go about executing it. 
She's right. I mean, that's the age yeah. we're in. Halloween is mm-hmm. the, uh, the the one you think of when you think of the requel. Well, Halloween 2018 and then Halloween Kills. But The Exorcist Star is getting Wars on this year. Star Wars, Ghostbusters. Star Wars, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is getting one. Mm-hmm. I would oh, honestly right. be sh- shocked if within three years both Freddie and Jason don't get one. They are ripe for that. 100%. Jason Blum just came out and said he really wants to do it if he can get the rights. So. I yeah, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, Heather uh, Langenkamp is still alive. It would not surprise yeah. me one bit if they were like, let's get her back and do a direct sequel to Nightmare. Yeah. Like, I so I thought it was brilliant, and I thought it was brilliant that this is not one hundred percent a requel. I thought mm-hmm. going in, it might be. And then I, it wasn't, and I was so glad. Again, for the reasons I mentioned before, like the history and everything, they didn't erase all of that. But I, I thought it was clever. I did too. It made me really, really glad to see it because I think this was the most, the most justice they could have done to the series and to the fans. Because obviously, with something like Star Wars, with such a such a dedicated fan base, a lot of people are going to be upset no matter what you do. But I think if like we're we're also used to kind of being disappointed by these new movies coming out, and I was so scared of being disappointed, and they just took it in such a a wonderful direction, and they like really tried to uphold what Scream is all about, which is what made it so fun and made it the meta part of it just made it like so much funnier. They did give Sydney the 2018 Laurie Strode thing, not the yeah. recluse living alone, but like. The badass who's been preparing for this since the last encounter with evil. Like, mm-hmm. the moment that sticks out to me in this movie with Sydney, when she hangs up on Ghostface and he keeps, he comes charging out of the closet, she wraps herself around him and throws herself over the balcony with him, like off the second floor mm-hmm. landing. Like, what a badass that was. That was so awesome. Like, well, she, she was, was like, I'm done with this. I'm done. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. going down. I don't care if I go down with you, but mm-hmm. this is over. The the fact that they paid off the line she has when she's out running the kids in the stroller or whatever is like, of course I have a gun. I'm Sydney F and Prescott. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yes, of course you do. <laughs> like of, of anybody, you would have all the guns. <laughs> and so <laughs> that she knows how to use it, that she had a plan. Like when he comes, I'm going right off this rail. It's like and she hadn't walked out of that house in 20 that years. Was she so knows it. Great when she takes mm-hmm. a gun and she's going through the house and she's literally just not barely looking into her room. She just shoots into yeah. it, shoots mm-hmm. into the closet she came out of to kill to stab Billy. And she shoots Richie in the leg, because yeah. <laughs> <You know, laughs> just randomly. So it's it was funny. Yeah, I, I, but I I love that they gave her that kind of power uh, of anybody that got I don't want to say short shrift. But I thought they were about to give us a twofer when Amber shot Gail. Because Gail's been shot in that side a lot. Yeah. And I thought, are they going to kill both of them? I'm like, I did too. cow. I really thought she was going to die. The fact that she lived is a little surprising. It almost feels like yeah. they changed their mind. And how really cruel does. was Amber when she was like, oh, you know, he died like a pussy. And yeah. then like. Yeah, it was, but great. but the 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 eighty yard line of when they smashed the hand sanitizer over her face, like oh hand sanitizer, I was like oh god, that's in ten years. I hope we're laughing at that. Like oh yeah, remember when we had jars of that everywhere? <laughs> you know? so, because at the minute that happened, I was like oh she's getting set on fire. I was like that's the only way that that. I can was go down. so happy with that though. It was so much yeah. fun. 
Yeah, and it, and her coming back at the end after she because they always do. Yes, they always do. <laughs> only the fact that, that Tara does that whole I prefer the Baba Duke. I'm like, well, you're the only one yeah. in this theater because no, <laughs> but but I do I do like that they give her if that it's in a nook or a book jay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the only one holding the candle for that one here <laughs> but that's okay Listen, I, I, I do has its place it's just different it does it's, but what, what here, here's here's why i'm two minutes of this here's why i'd be fine with it is if people who loved it and i'm not saying you anthony but people who loved it didn't hate on the horror that me and Corey like <laughs> so, that's, that's well, which I do not. You so that would, that would annoy me. Yeah. Too. Tara, yeah. so, Tara is the issue. Yes. Like, yes. like, okay. look, I'm in agreement. I, I got no, I got no problem with bro country music. If that's your thing, it's not mine. It's not for me. It's not made for me. You want to listen to that? You go right ahead. Crank your stereo, your iPod, the way you want. I'm gonna go over here and listen to what I like. I'm not gonna tell you your that your music's lousy for that. So I, you know, I, you, you, you can love what you love. That's fine. I am totally yeah. okay with that. Um, I think it is the pretentious elevated horror fans that try to look at the rest of <laughs> us like we weren't here carrying the torch for 40 damn years. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's like elevated horror isn't real. Like we've had, mm-hmm. you know, we've had Rosemary's Baby. We've had Frankenstein. Like we've had so right. many. Like would Jaws not be an elevated horror movie? With right. The, the, the original Land? House on Haunted Hill with like, Vincent Price is one of the scariest friggin' movies yeah. you can watch. So, yeah, and so yeah. it's like it's like that's just a stupid term, and believing that elevated horror is like even a subgenre that's just disrespectful to the rest of the. I, genre. I wouldn't even call it a stupid term; it's a pretentious term. You're just it's showing yourself to be a pretentious, pretentious term yeah. by using exactly. that. Term. Yeah. It, is, it is the pretentious parts of. Like, of we don't have filmers. elevated. We don't have elevated drama, elevated comedy, even though there are still bad dramas and bad comedies like that's right. not a thing so yeah, i mean yeah it's I, I i hate when we try to have to segment everything off because you ruin the fun overlap and that's the fun thing about scream is that it is the the perfect crossroads of horror yes. comedy and and metaverse and all that mm-hmm. stuff and that and the fact that they they lay all that out though and both of you nailed this they lay all that out and i'm like oh is that what we're doing with this and then they go yeah we're not gonna do that but yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. and that they go back to what their premise was we're going back to the basics and the best thing about part two in terms of the killing part was it's it's always somebody related to it so you had mrs loomis and you had mickey and you had something tying into the pop culture of the moment the OJ trial versus everybody hating on what I love in my franchise on the internet. Damn it. It deserves more respect. So that's Richie's thing. And then you just have the crazy person. Cause that's mm-hmm. one thing we can't forget. And I, I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I mean, I do mean that in a pejorative way, the person that is totally unhinged and has lost it. That is just there for the fun. That's Stu. That's Amber. I love that. They, they tied him to that. And yes. my buddy, Nick, he hated that. He's like, yeah, the motives are weak. I'm like, they're no weaker than they ever have been. That's the yeah. point. Is it that, was like the, the total throwback to the original. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I did love what this movie had to say about toxic fandom. Yes. Because you spent five minutes on Twitter Looking at any fandom, Star yes. Wars, DC, Marvel. Oh my God! L- let me let me plead with all of you out there listening now. If you do Twitter, and I hope you do, you should follow all three of us. It's all in the show notes. Um, do what I did on Twitter three years ago. It changed my life for Twitter. Make lists. Don't look at your news feed. Make <laughs> lists and read your list. I have my football news list. I have my movie friends m- news list. I have my actual news list. 
I don't read the main thing and neither should you. And by no means should you ever hit the explore tab. So like, don't, don't get sucked into the algorithm kids. I'll, I'll give you an example <laughs> for all you out there. Mm-hmm. I am a DC fan, DC comics fan. I always have been Batman mm-hmm. fan. Obviously DC movies have not been great compared to Marvel movies. Every now and then I'll see a DC thing trending. You get the people who are like, restore the Snyderverse trending, <laughs> like crapping on everything. And they're so like, boycott WB. Oh, real fans don't like what they're doing with Batgirl and things like that. I'm like, who are you? This is like yeah. the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Exactly. But but they nail it in this movie. You're you're totally right. Yeah. But they completely nail it in this movie. And it's okay to just like yeah. what you like. And but like you don't make you everybody like... feel stupid for it. That's that's the part exactly. that's the part that, that drives people over the wall. And I think that's what they're saying here. And is that a great motive for killing people? I don't know that there is a good motive for killing people, and I don't know that I need one. And I'll also put out that every time a horror series has tried to overexplain the motive of its killer, has it ever really worked? Really? No. Oh, because we are when there's no motive, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's more scary when there isn't one, right? We so. should we should point out too that you know this is they were unhappy with the direction Stab went, the Stab series one, right? And we did get a little glimpse of Stab Eight, and it was, it was a, a metallic ghost face mask. I wanted that door. so bad though because it was in the trailers, and we were all so ready for it. <laughs> he, he I still want to see the Stab like that has time so. Yes, <laughs> he looked like he was in the purge. He was on the streets, like flame throwing everyone. Like, yes, it was yes. hilarious. Which, which I almost think is a way? is a shot at the Silent Night remake, which is the remake of Silent Night Deadly Night. Which Silent Night Deadly Night is not some piece of high art, but wait, then is they Silent got a, Night a remake of that. Yes, yes. I didn't totally. watch it. I didn't watch it yet. Is yes, it, really? it totally is. Yes, it oh, is a well, that, it is okay. a loose retelling of that, but it's the same. Idea. <laughs> okay, yeah. So. Um, did y'all notice though when they were showing the stab eight stuff on YouTube? Kirby, Kirby, Street Four is alive. Kirby's alive. Kirby yes. lives. <laughs> Interview with Survivor Kirby, whatever her last name was, and I was like, "Yes." I found yes, that on she'll Twitter afterwards, and I freaked out. And they better bring her back. Yeah, it would. Be, it would be great if they could, but I don't know. I, so that's why I say, like, you know, do the motives work? Do they need to? I don't care if if I'm into the characters and Amber was fine because I thought she was uh, the fact that it was the best friend. Of course it is. Of course it's always yeah. your freaking best friend. And it is your boyfriend. Why? Because we all listen to true crime podcasts. We watch 48 yeah. hours. We know what's up. Like it's always the boyfriend and your best friend. It always I is. think it was also like it was also such a, a camp motive for them to be like really toxic fans that mm-hmm. fit perfectly into the how scream comments on fan bases and media at the time it was exactly what would be happening at this time and it was just too a little too extreme for it to fit perfectly Can I so I have one twist to it one twist to it that i thought they might do that i thought would have been even more clever maybe it would have been too yeah. clever there's a lot of underpinnings in that original scream. A lot of people have theorized to fans for years that Billy and Stu had something going on on the side besides being. Oh, nice. they definitely and it did. It's clear that they, they did, did, right? Like we know, yeah. right? What, what if, what if there's nothing wrong with having platonic friends, by the way, what if Amber was Andy and was Tara's platonic best friend and her and Richie mm-hmm. and him and Richie. I mean, cause they call each other baby. All this I'm like, why not? Why can't we have that? That would have yeah. totally worked. And it I... would have been going back to the original. 
See, yeah. I feel like they'll bring I if they do ever bring Stu back like everyone wants them to. I really wonder if that if that's the direction they'll take where Stu will maybe say something about his relationship with Billy cuz like obviously they didn't have a healthy relationship, but there was something going on there. Was, and and well, I, I want to be I want to be clear. I don't, I don't mean that the gay people have to be the evil people on this, this show. That's no, not what I mean. Just, that was just but, what it was. But it's there and why can't we do that? Like, cause yeah. that's the one thing I'll give Halloween kills real credit for is that the couple that owns the Myers house. They never call out that they're two men. They just are. They're yeah. just a couple. They've just been married for years. It's, well, they just make they it were, as normal as life. And they were a great part of that movie, by the way. They were exactly. They're, they're the funniest part of that movie. Yeah. By far. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm with you, Corey. I wanted Stu to come back this time. I think eventually if they can make the sequels, he will. I know well, the original I mean, plan for listen, Scream Wes 3 was wanted supposed him to, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. the original plan for Scream V was to have him in prison, kind of like the Hannibal Lecter coaching a new generation of killers. So but then I, Columbine happened and they changed the whole yeah. thing. They took it out of high school, moved it to Hollywood, whatever. So, yeah. But in Wes's mind, Stu survived that attack. So because so Wes is the granddaddy of his legacy, we yeah. have to bring him back. Yeah, exactly. It, because it he's was the grandfather of this franchise. Stu is alive out there somewhere. I, I, I'm I, with you all. I want Stu back too. So I saw a theory on Twitter, I think, that was about like, what if Stu was hiding out and he had kind of a cult of like those toxic fans. And he Mm. was like a cult leader at this point, leading like a group of like mini ghost faces. I want it so bad. Master of the twisted, ain't it cool news board that all this is going down on whatever. (laughs) Yes. So I I do have a question for you guys about Sam. Because I didn't take it this way, but I know if I have a friend who did it, were they setting her up to be like, are they setting her up to be the killer in the sequel? I think so. I think I think what they were doing with her was sort of a Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, like <laughs> even if someone that's related to you or like that you have the same DNA as is bad, are you going to be bad? Like nature versus nurtured kind of thing. I didn't necessarily see her becoming the killer, but I did see her definitely using that, like using the bad parts of her DNA for good, which I thought was an interesting twist. That's I like how I took f- it too. But my friend liked the moment where after she stabbed Richie to death, she does a ghost face thing. She takes a knife and yeah. cleans, yeah, it cleans it the blade. Like, yes. yes. Honestly, yeah, I, I would I, love to see her become the killer. I wonder if it's in her character. I wonder how they would do that. Well, that's what I was going to ask the both of you. Like, is there a place to jump off for, for this or is it a one-off? I think there is. They left enough people alive. We talked for about sure, Mindy and Chad sure. and the sisters. I think and- there is. I, I talked about this on a podcast the other day, but I want to see them go to college. I want to see – this is like total pipe dream, but I want to see the MTV characters come back. I want Audrey, Noah, and Kirby Ooh. to be doing something together, like having a horror podcast or something. And I think like they'd be really good friends with Mindy, obviously, and they'd be like – a little horror group and i don't know i think it would be cool to take it to college i i agree with you there and do it right this time and not yeah. not do let's go uh, anthony disagrees but what what uh what they did with scream two's college i do uh, get somebody better <laughs> than craig shoemaker that- to be your film professor no offense craig but come on <laughs> <laughs> so. i'll say this i they, they definitely left a left room for a sequel i think the new characters who survived are interesting enough to follow where mm-hmm. like look if they do a sequel they're bringing back Nev and courtney even if it's just kill them off yeah. they're just going to yeah but i think the new characters are interesting enough i would want to follow them yeah for sure and 
I feel like I feel like that's gonna be their thing. I feel in Scream Six, Courtney or Nev is gonna die. Then Scream Seven, the last one's gonna die, and then it's gonna be the completely new cast. And the, you you've hit on something that I was gonna I was gonna say is I think they'll bring them both back, and if they want to get us in the cold open, they need to kill them both. They they need that to kill them both cool. and set the bar like completely like where are we going now? Because because then you clear the deck like we've paid homage, we've done all of that. You don't want to be here either, so let's. I mean, come on, they got other things to do. And they can't kill Sydney. That's my one thing. I think I, Sydney, well, Sydney. I hear you. I hear you, but it's game changing if you do it. She has to be killed by something else. If she's killed by Ghostface, that takes away like everything about her character. That it we know. takes away her final girl status. Yeah, like, right and it now takes she's away the final strength. girl. Like. When I think of the term final girl, I think of Laurie Strode and Sydney Prescott because yeah. they're the two yeah. final girls to do. And like no and matter who's under that mask, they're not gonna get they're not gonna catch her slipping. She's not gonna be killed by them. No well, matter. At least what. Gail's gotta go, right? Like Gail gotta can Gail's go. gotta go. That's fine. Gail's gotta get killed on live television. That yes. would be the and people think it's a stunt because yes. of who she is. That to promote would be her book or something. See, we've we've just fanficked it together. We should be writing this. So, right? Somebody call us. <laughs> well, I think we're at the part of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So if it's your first podcast, welcome in. Popcorn ratings here go uh, like the popcorn at the movies does. The bigger the popcorn and the more you add to it, the better the movie. Or, you know, conversely, the lower you go, the less you take away, the lesser it is on ratings. So what are yours for Scream 2022? Anthony. Well, I gave the original Scream an extra large popcorn. I gave Scream 2 large with all the trimmings. This is definitely, in my mind, probably the best sequel along with Scream 2. Like, they're neck and neck for me. I don't know which one I prefer. I need to see this a few more times. So I'm going to give it the same. Large popcorn, all the trimmings. Definitely go see it. It pays so much wonderful homage to the original. It's great. Corey? I would say this is also my favorite sequel. I give it a, a, a large popcorn and it's exactly what you want it to be. And just such a perfect, perfect sequel to it. Definitely go see it. I had to ask myself, where am I going to rank this with the sequels? Cause obviously two or three, it's better than those in my opinion. And I liked four. And so I gave myself this little test. I said, okay, write down everything you remember about four. Cause I haven't seen it since October. And I wrote like five things down. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, write down everything you remember about this. And granted, I'd just seen it, but I had, you see the list. You guys are looking at the notes list. And I said, it kind of says it all because I can't really remember any of the characters' names. Like yeah. you, we've all said them throughout this when we're talking about Scream stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, Kirby. Yeah, that's Hayden Panettiere. And But I called him the Lesser Culkin. I have no idea who that guy's, what his name was. No idea. Yeah, I know the TV characters' names, but I don't remember. So I said, mm, it's that funny says a because lot. I just watched Scream Four the other day, and I can't pick out yeah. his name. It either. does self erase a little bit, and I think it's because I know it doesn't really matter. Like it counts, but it doesn't in the in the mix. Um, so because the movie's the movie's great, but it's just not you know it's not memorable. That's not the point. Yeah, I think I think it's the thing. It didn't have a central theme premise that this one. The does. characters weren't weren't as developed and like strong i think as the ones here were yeah i agree, I agree with you i agree with you and i'll also say that the meta premise in that one wasn't nearly as interesting as this one i want to get insta famous well yeah i think this was 
I think this was just a different, they were touching on something completely different. And this, the the new one was such a a callback to the original and that's why it kept so much of that meta feeling. Well, yeah. And this one wanted to go and went in some really dark, fun places Mm -hmm. that made it a very interesting watch. And it's interesting to talk to people about this one. Like, I remember recording that Scream 4 show and we're we're trying to come up with stuff to talk about during it. And I'm like, this one though, I could I could talk about it for another hour. You yeah. Know, because I definitely want to see it again. So it's the best of the Scream sequels. It's not as good as the two seasons of the television show that I love. That will always be the best Scream sequel. But we as need, far as movies, we need a wrap up on that. We need to we're, we're gonna eventually gotta have that. to do like a bonus episode for that. If we ever do yes, a Patreon please. and film strip eleven years <laughs> in, we should start one. We could do that. But as far as movie sequels go, this one's definitely right up there with it. I give it a large popcorn as well. And if I could go back and retrograde, I would give that first one an extra now uh, because I do love it and, and own it in multiple formats. I mean, I own it on a VHS, a DVD, and digitally now So because that's just how I roll. Um, and I'll, I'll add this one in for sure because I really do like it. And I want to see it again. I may, I may even venture out to theater again like a random matinee or something just to catch it so I can watch it. Cause I had so much fun watching it. And that's the thing about it is it brought back fun to the series, which the television show did a great job of. And I felt like was just lacking. It's one thing about the fourth one is it's kind of dour and it's not very fun. <laughs> this one's fun again. And yeah. I had a good time with it and certainly enjoyed it. So I'll give it a, a large popcorn as well. So it's three for three out of the gate. It has been an absolute blast talking about this with the two of you. Anthony, please tell folks how they can follow you and all the cool things that you're doing. Sure. Go to linktree.com slash podcast. You'll find our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, uh, Patreon, and everything there. Again, we are the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year by covering a different Christmas movie, TV show, television episode every week. Um, and again, I'm a writer. I an aspiring writer. I wrote a Christmas novel, which I released piecemeal via the podcast feed last year, which awesome people like Jay and Ron and my other co-hosts um, brought to life by each reading a chapter. So it's awesome. Check it out. And I do just want to say, Corey, it was awesome talking to you tonight. It was you so are great talking so cool. to you. Thank you. You too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Corey, tell folks how they can follow all the great stuff that you're into. You can find me on gorycorey.com and uh, at gorycoreyhorror on Twitter, which I'm on pretty much 24-7 and underscore gorycorey underscore on Instagram. And I'm also on the Scream Teens, uh, the Anatomy of a Anatomy of a Scream podcast network online. Very cool. Very cool. All of that is linked in the podcast description, folks. So make sure you check those out. Always fun to have uh, friends like you on to talk about uh, anything, really, but especially talk about horror movies. So I had a great time. Thank y'all both for coming and being a part of this. Thank we don't do so a lot much. of weekend release stuff on, on film strips. So uh, when we get to do these, these are special and fun. So I always appreciate y'all, y'all jumping in with me. Folks, you can follow the show's social media at FilmStripPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For your final announcements about upcoming shows, a link to our letterbox page, which has our entire list of reviews, 321 other movie uh, podcasts in the can for you to go and enjoy 
something for everybody in there. Go to filmstrippodcast.com. You'll find the link to our Anchor FM distribution site where you can get us on Apple, Spotify, Google. I hear Spotify has a rating thing now, so drop us a five-star or five popcorns or whatever else they do now. But please do rate the show. Every now and then, I'll remember to like check those. And somebody wrote this like awesome review for us on Apple last uh, October. Whoever you are, thank you very much. So please do that though, because it helps other people find the show. Share the show on your socials as well. And we appreciate the support. So for Anthony and Corey, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.